The Rainmaker Multiplier On Demand Series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach to advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com. Hello and welcome everyone to the Rainmaker Multiplier Podcast. This is Jason Smith. And today I have Rob LaCivita as our guest. And this is going to be a cool conversation that we get to have because uh, I'm obviously very familiar with this program. It's the advisor career path. I've been developing it for probably going on about three years. And while it's been in development, Rob has had the benefit of being the crash dummy and us testing it out at JL Smith. And so welcome, Rob, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, so Rob, to give you a little bit of background, he is the integrator in EOS language. So that's the basically the system or the structure that we run off of. It's like equivalent to like the, you know, COO of a company, right? Like the one that everybody's reporting up to, like all the major, you know, functions in the organization. And so Brian Bibbo and I have been working closely with him of, of, you know, passing the baton and taking over that role. But he does the quarterly conversations, the reviews with all the people that lead the different lanes, as we call them, or divisions like marketing and sales and operations and finance, et cetera, within the JL Smith group. So Rob, we have, how many team members we have now? Maybe 10, 12, somewhere around there? We have 12, yeah. 12, yep. So we're at 12 team members and just give it some perspective. We're on pace to, I think last I checked, we were almost at 60 million of new assets gathered this year. And so- Probably on pace to maybe break 70 million, which is great. And uh, Rob, in addition to, you know, being at that level of the integrator or, you know, the different divisions reporting up to him, he also actually manages the financial services lane in the practice. So the financial services lane is basically the operations of the, you know, in client service, it's like the client experience of all the different financial services we offer. And so that lane is, is really, uh, that division is reporting up to Rob too. So Rob has the benefit of the advisors reporting up to him and doing the quarterly conversations and basically the reviews and articulating and explaining to the advisors you know, where they're at in their career development on their career path. So Rob, let's, let's start with a question here. And first of all, like just explain to the, to the listeners, the five different rungs that we have as part of this uh, career path. And just in general, what each of these five rungs represents. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to share. So the the first rung on the career path is the client service advisor. 
So their function is pretty much, you know, handling all the pre-appointment and post-appointment functions and the, the, the helping support the advisors and making sure our, the, the folders are in place, you know, and, and organized and, and making sure that they have everything they need. Appointment and then post-appointment, all the takeaways, all the to-dos that they need to make sure that, you know, the actions that the advisors uh, have instructed are carried out. They also do, you know, a lot of client administration, new business processing, managing the, the, the dashboards in our CRM. We use smart offices, our CRM. So really in a lot of ways, and that backstage support for the advisors. The next rung up from client service advisor is Paraplanner. So they're primarily responsible for plan design. And, you know, we're fortunate to have a really experienced and knowledgeable paraplanner here. They coordinate with our advisors to get the to plan probably 80% of the way done. And then they meet with the advisor to go over it together. The advisor will kind of tweak it and, and make changes before it's presented to the client. But our the paraplanner does a lot of that heavy lifting for the for the advisor and building out those plans. You know, they'll do a lot of the financial and tax modeling and make some product recommendations as well. And Rob, and then I'm going to that- pause real quick to interject. So excellent. Um, so these two rungs that Rob just described are both backstage. They're not yet sitting front stage with the client, interacting with the client. They're more in a support role backstage, doing all the things to make the front stage better at what they do and make them shine in front of those clients. And Rob, we didn't even have a para planner in place for, for a little while. And it's quite often that that second chair advisor, which I hate the term, but a lot of people use it, junior advisor, would do all of the para planning. And so I want to put that in perspective because people, some people get confused and think you have to have all five of these rungs simultaneously. You don't. Somebody's got to do plan design though. Sometimes it is the lead advisor doing it all, probably not the best use of their time. Sometimes it's that second chair, i.e. junior advisor, some would call it, that's doing a lot of the plan design. And other times, you know, you've grown into a size practice or you've developed someone at, to that point where there is a paraplanner rung that's doing a big part of that plan design. Yep, absolutely. No, that's a, that's a great uh, explanation as well. So moving on then to the front stage, right? So at that rung three advisor level, the primary responsibility is you know, serving as that second chair support. A lot of what Jason just described in supporting the, the lead advisor on the larger cases. You know, sales and service then of the smaller accounts. So they're serving thing as, again, that second chair for the lead advisor on, 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 on bigger clients and then handling some of the smaller uh, accounts on their own. So, you know, they, you know, they juggle a lot of different responsibilities, you know, in that, in that second chair. And we lean really heavily on, you know, on our second chair advisors here as well. You know, they'll do some prospecting as well. And as, Jack, as, as Jason already mentioned, some plan design, that there's not a pair planner, um, you know, in the organization, they'll do some plan uh, plan design, and obviously the financial tax modeling product recommendations as well. And then, you know, continuing with the front stage advisor, the rung four advisor, the lead advisor. So obviously first chair responsibility, you know, handling the highest net worth clients of the organization, 
the responsible oftentimes for a lot of business development as well, doing, you know, the workshops and some of the virtual seminars that we're doing and, you know, just really being out front, you know, the organization and, and, uh, you know, working with the, uh, the higher tier clients and also providing mentorship as well, right? And when you're, you have a second chair in on your cases, you have that uh, kind of ability and responsibility to help mentor that second chair and bring them along as well. And then finally, the, the, the final stage, that fifth stage in the advisor career path is a practicing partner, right? So if you have, you know, demonstrated that ability to, you know, to close those higher network clients, to do some business development and bringing new clients into the firm, have an opportunity to, 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 you know, buy in as a partner. Obviously, every firm can do it how they want to do it. But the responsibilities here, obviously, you know, leading and managing the firm, you know, sales and management of the, you know, the largest client relationships, executive leadership of the firm, Jason mentioned on the outset, that, you know, we operate on EOS and the, and the practicing partner, we're certainly beyond that leadership team. Um, and then growth, right? Driving growth, doing a lot of business development and helping, you know, help drive revenue for the, for the organization. Well said, Rob. So two backstage, three front stage, and some firms are never going to offer a practicing partner level. I don't know if that's the best practice, but some have like, you know, they just don't want a partner ever, right? So they're going to die in the sole 100% owner seat. And then ultimately that's when the firm will have a new, you know, owner introduced. But what I love about having that practicing partner level as the fifth level is it gives you the ability to sell the dream, to attract, retain, and reward top talent. And I think the biggest difference, a lot of I, I often get this question, Rob, you know, like what's the biggest difference or what is the difference between a lead advisor and a practicing partner? Because on the surface, it just doesn't seem like there's much of a difference there. Well, you're right in some aspects, there's not a huge difference there, but there are some subtle ones. One that's not so subtle is the practicing partner has ownership, right? Where the lead advisor doesn't. But the practicing partner is really in many cases sitting in a leadership role as Rob described, right? So they're, they're a bigger part of shaping the vision and the strategy of the firm as a whole. And and really, the the other thing that, so that one's a little bit more subtle and people may not realize because it's a little bit more, you know, you don't, you don't see that on the surface. But the other thing is, is the practicing partner in the way that we've uh, designed it, they have to be a rainmaker. And a rainmaker to a level that from a business development officer standpoint, that's a very popular term in the RA world, business development officer. And so what they are is their responsibility for bringing new clients to the firm, not just for themselves, but to feed the entire firm. And so, you know, that's one of the criteria that that you know we have made as a criteria to become a practicing partner and you may consider too is the because there can be a lead advisor that is more of a farmer in nature not a hunter right they're not going down hunting and bringing in brand new clients to the firm that they're feeding off to the rest of the advisors of the firm 
they're really just farming their existing relationships, getting referrals, growing that block of business and playing an invaluable role. Absolutely. But they're not really hunters or hardwired that way. We're a practicing partner. You may want to put that criteria of actually being a hunter and, and truly a rainmaker for the entire practice, not just for their, you know, business that they're bringing in for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, well said, Jason. So Rob, too, let's talk a little bit about how long, let's say that I'm bringing in somebody brand new and they're, so they're at the rung one client service advisor level. And say I'm bringing in somebody brand new out of college, because this is typically more of an entry level type of position, somebody who's uh, either coming out of college or only been in the year or in the industry, maybe one to three years max. And how long can I expect to stay in that rung? And are there levels within that rung? Or am I just kind of like my career is not advancing until I become a paraplanner? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one thing that's kind of the beauty of it is that it, we, it, it is built out. So there is clearly defined steps within each rung. So to, to answer your first question, Jason, the time in the rung, probably one to three years you know, in that rung. You said somebody new to the, to the industry, the two individuals that we have as the client service advisors and our office are actually right out of college. And, but they're you know, super sharp people. We and this is interesting because we can compare and contrast, you know, people in this in these roles and how long it can take to advance to the next rung. You know, we've got somebody in the rung who will be after a year and a half, and right at the beginning of next year, we're going to move on to the next rung. So go from client service advisor to pair planner after about eighteen months. Uh, the other individual needs a little bit more, a little bit more work, a little bit more seasoning, a little bit more development. So they'll be in that role a little bit longer, right? They, it might take that three years in that rung to, to reach the net level. But, you know, it's kind of the beauty of it. And, and you know, when we're presenting it with people, it's or to individuals, whether it's somebody we're recruiting or, or, or just somebody who's already here, after we put it in place, it's, you know, these parameters are in place. They know upfront what they're getting, uh, what the expectations are, what the criteria for success are. So, you know, how do we measure you know, that one to three years, that can seem kind of daunting, right? So if we're recruiting somebody and perhaps, you know, right out of college and say, oh, I got to stay in this for three years. Um, well, it's maybe it's one to three years, but here's exactly what you need to do to advance, right? Here is level one. You need pre-appointment preparation mastery. You need post-appointment preparation mastery. And then here's where you need the level two and on and on and on and level three, the various designations that you need to ascend from level one to level two to level three. And then eventually to being an advisor. So it's, it's great in the clarity that it provides. It provides, you know, it removes the subjectivity, I suppose. And these are objective measures that we know in advance we need to hit before we can move on from level one, two, and three within the rung and then to the next rung. Excellent. And so Rob, what about what if you run into a situation where somebody joins as a client service advisor and maybe they even advance to the next level of doing all the plan design, I, you know, the paraplanner rung. But let's say at that point, they're still backstage and they've come to the realization they never want to go front stage, right? They don't actually want to go to front stage and become an advisor. 
you know, is there a potential role within the firm for them? And what might that look like? Yeah, there, there certainly is, Jason. And that's a great question. Right? Maybe they call an audible on their career, right? Because they're young. They think maybe this is what they want to do. Perhaps they get to that parent planner level like you described, and they love it, right? They, they know that this is really what they enjoy doing, and they want to stay there. Well, I mean, obviously, each firm will need to make their own decision on what's the best interest of the firm. But, you know, you know, for me, and I think for our organization, perhaps having a, a lifer as a parent planner could be a great thing, right? So when you have that institutional knowledge in that seat, you know, to grow and to support all of the other advisors. And not only that, but to train people as they are going through the, through the career path, right? I mean, people might want to hit the, the minimum of time in the rung and get to that lead advisor, right, as fast as possible. Well, if we have somebody who is a pair planner who just, they, they, they like that role, they can provide a lot of that teaching and coaching and mentorship that, you know, maybe the advisors don't have the full capacity to be able to do it. We have another person who can be designated to help with that. And so we can present to this person, for example, that person who called the audible and wants to perhaps stay in the wrong or maybe not go to a front stage advisor, you know, put a plan in front of them and say, you know, perhaps lane lead is, is your, your next career, right? That financial services lane that you mentioned, you know, maybe they develop those skills to be in some type of leadership role on the operations side, right? Maybe they can lead the backstage team. So within our financial services department, we've got a front stage and a backstage. Backstage, as you mentioned, is pair planner and client service advisor. Maybe start as a team lead for the pair planners and the client service advisor. And then maybe graduate up to the lane lead for the financial services. And then perhaps, you know, graduate to, to the integrator as well down the road. So we want to make sure that if, if it's somebody who's talented and somebody who we absolutely want to continue to be a member of the firm, let them know that they have options in front of them, even if it's not a, a front stage advisor role. Yeah, well put. And, and I, you know, I think, you know, if you go into this with the intention of bringing in future advisors of the firm, if you're wanting to develop future advisors, and they're, it, we're, I mean, it's not the end of the world if after you've invested time and energy, even a few years, if they decide they don't want to be an advisor, but they could be a key operational team member, member, you know, just on the team. Why lose the tribal knowledge, you know, if you can find a place for them and they could be a valuable contributing member of the team. But on the other hand, by thinking with the end in mind and bringing advice, bringing people up through the organization that have the desire and the capability to eventually become an advisor. Now, what you do is, you know, you're, you're training with the end in mind to be able to add, because I know in my experience, those that grow up in the firm are more loyal. They understand, they have the tribal knowledge they built relationships amongst the firm. I mean, there's just opposed to just bringing them in. You know, it, I arguably, I think the hardest position to bring in is the lead advisor directly because they have so much experience already. I mean, truly the old dog teaching them new tricks. I mean, it's the hardest learning curve. Absolutely. And yeah, learning our new processes. And obviously we, you know, we work on the bucket plan. Maybe that's a new concept to them and following the process we have in place. 
Absolutely. That could be a difficult transition for somebody who's used to, and maybe having the autonomy of maybe having their own practice and incorporating them into a larger organization where we aren't siloed here. You know, we're an ensemble practice where we, you know, all are, are focused on several different touch points and service levels to the clients outside of just meeting with one advisor. So I, absolutely, that can be a difficult transition. I'm glad you, glad you brought that up. Rob is, you know, we have three uniques, right? That every time we're doing marketing, we're describing at least one of the three or all three in combination. Anytime that we're in a sales situation, business development, we're trying to, you know, take people through the financial planning process. We're explaining our three uniques. And one of them, you just said, Rob, in ensemble practice and a huge part of these five rungs, the original inspiration came from Philip Palaviv and the book, The Ensemble Practice. And, um, you know, so I would encourage anybody who wants to adopt this, you know, we obviously have a number of resources to help you do so, an entire program, online university learning module, we're building out the virtual and live training, we have mentorship, coaching, et cetera. But, I would highly recommend the book, The Ensemble Practice. It's one of our three uniques. In addition to, at our firm, it's because in case you're wondering, it's the bucket plan, right? Holistic financial planning through the bucket plan. And then third, it's advanced tax planning, right? It's, it's the more comprehensive or advanced tax planning. And that combination of the three, of the bucket plan and advanced tax planning and being an ensemble practice, you know, is pretty powerful, like from a value proposition to explain it to clients of why they should join. But it's also really, really powerful to explain to potential advisors to join. And that's one of the biggest benefits of having this advisor career path, attracting, retaining and rewarding top talent all the way up to that person that's got maybe just unbelievable rock star level talent. And the only way that you're going to retain them is through equity. And so having that fifth and final rung of practicing partner can be real, pretty powerful in, in your ability to retain someone that you may have otherwise lost. And it doesn't mean gifting them equity. It means them buying in. Now, how favorable of the buy-in or what the terms are, are going to depend on everybody's individual situation. And it's a whole nother, uh, whole nother conversation there. <laughs> right. In fact, Jason, I just had an interview on Friday with an outstanding candidate that I'm really uh, excited about and impressed with. And we went over this. We went over this for your path. And you can just see his, his eyes light up. And he, was, he was just kind of blown away. Because one of the, you know, when I was asking this question, what is he like? What is he not like where he's at? And one of them was just, it changed when he got there, right? And just kind of this ambiguity. He wasn't really sure where things were going. And then I laid out in front of him exactly this career path, showed him what it takes to get to the next run, what the opportunity looks like. He was blown away. So it is a really, really powerful recruiting tool to attract talent to the organization. That's awesome, Rob. And you know what? I, I will say too, it makes it so much easier when you're designing compensation because you can use industry benchmarking studies for each of these five rungs, which is very easy to do. That data is already out there. And so it makes it so much easier for you to design a competitive compensation you know, that really aligns with these rungs and how you're going to offer people 
you know, you want to be competitive. You want to attract, retain, and reward. Absolutely. Absolutely. And provide them clarity on, on what the opportunity looks like and what the various, you know, rungs in the top compensation within each rung looks like as well. Yep. Setting those expectations up front. Rob, the last thing I'd like you to do as we're landing the plane here is if you could describe the different team members, you know, and I think we can, we're safe to use first names, but you talked a little bit about like Michael and Sarah, which were our entry level positions. You know, Sarah had more experience because she had interned with us for a few years or two, two or three. Versus like Michael was, didn't have that level of experience. And I think that plays a part in why Sarah is, is, is moving, up, moving up the rung a little bit faster than Michael because of that tribal knowledge and that intern experience that she had. But, you know, you talked a little bit about Michael and Sarah and the three levels within the client service advisor rung. And Sarah's climbed those levels and she's now ready to move on to the paraplanner rung. Michael's got another level to climb or two within the client service advisor rung. But who else I, uh, do we have and what rung are they at? And, you know, what are the kind of kind of conversations are you having with them? And and where are they going to next, I think would be helpful. Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So mentioned we have a pair planner. We've got Dylan in the pair planner role. And, you know, we brought him in as a pair planner. And, we, you know, we asked him, you know, what, what his career aspirations are. And he, he didn't really want to look too far past pair planner, which is great. And so maybe, just like we already discussed, maybe he does eventually move on to that front stage advisory role. But, you know, really to his credit, he, he didn't want to look past the role that, that he was going to, you know, join the firm. And he just wanted to focus on it and be great at it. We and that's what we needed. That's specifically what we oh, needed. Absolutely. And his, yeah. in his case, we found him through Simply Paraplanner, right? Which is an organization that specifically places paraplaners. We had a need for that. We went out and we had a rung for him to plug right into. Now, over time, to your point, Rob, he may get really comfortable and decide he wants to advance as an advisor or he might be a lifer at the paraplanner role. And, you know, based on, you know, quality of work, we either find a place for him or he served a temporary need and we move on to someone else that's that wants to continue to advance. Yeah, yeah. So then we mentioned Michael and Sarah, rung one, rung two, obviously dealing with paraplanner. So level three, we've actually got three advisors in this level three advisor category. And this is a great explanation and a great illustration, I suppose, of all of the different levels, really, that they're in. And so, we, you know, we hired a new advisor a few months ago, still in training, doing, doing a great job for us. Tracy hired in, had some industry experience in, in the, the, the degrees and designations that we were, that we were looking for. So she you know, hired into the firm as, 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 a, as a rung three advisor. And so she's at level one right now you know, training on all of the different things that we are do, our processes, our procedures, getting some practical training as well, meeting with clients, presenting plans to our advisors. So she's ready on, you know, when, when her, her time is called to, to do those meetings herself. So she's at that level one or yeah, level one rung three and the advisor. And then we have Joe, right? Joe has been here for a few years. 
at that rung three advisor level. He's, he's at about a, he's at a level two, you know, based on our most previous conversation. You know, he's, we're working with him, continue to mentor him, serving as that second chair, you know, able to bring on, he's, you know, he's, he's more of a hunter, right? So he does have the ability to bring on some B and C clients. He's serving as a second chair for, for, you know, some of our A clients as well. And, and, you know, can, can handle those service requests that he gets from clients throughout the day. So he's really at that, at that level two, rung three advisor level. And then we have Chad. You know, Chad's been with us for a number of years, started at that client service level, certainly has a real, you know, the strong pair of planning skills to be able to build out plans. He's now a rung three advisor and he's at level three. So he's serving as that second chair for some of those AAA clients. We call them blue diamonds. He has a documented track record of success in this role of closing some of the B clients as well. And he certainly has the ability to, you know, effectively deliver workshop presentations as a, as a subject matter expert. Um, it's something that, you know, we've asked him to do, and he does a nice job of presenting that. So he is right now on the cusp of being that lead advisor, right? So you, you kind of flip the page when you're looking at rung three, okay, level one, level two, level three, what's next, right? So the next rung is, is lead advisor for him. And so for us, level one is closing $8 million of, of NAUA annually, new assets under advisor annually. So these are the conversations we're having with Chad, tracking his metrics, tracking you know, the, the production that he has throughout the year. And you know, we're really confident he's going to hit that, you know, the $8 million of new assets this year to be able to, or by the end of the year, to be able to be a lead advisor. So yeah, we've got people on not only with in each rung, but within more granular each level of each rung. And you know, they know where they sit. We we review all of the all the parameters and, and, and requirements to move on and just create create creates a lot of clarity throughout the organization. And like I said, kind of eliminates a lot of the subjectivity to these when when uh, people are advancing in their career. Yeah. And, and then go ahead, Rob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then also lead advisor, we have Jeff, right? Jeff Warkin, industry veteran, outstanding advisor, you know, really successful, really sharp, our lead advisor. And yeah, so that, that you know, I guess kind of goes without saying a lot of people know Jeff and he's, he's certainly, you know, closing the, 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 the assets that we're looking for each year to stay at that level. Like I said, what, you know, one of the top advisors certainly in the area. And I think um, the difference too, you know, Rob with Jeff yeah. is he's later in his career and he chose not to buy in as a practicing partner, right? Because of the fact of just where he's at in his career, he's hitting the levels from a production standpoint where he's eligible to, he's an unbelievable lead advisor, but Jeff chose, you know, for combination of reasons, right? In addition to that, he's not really one to want to play a leadership role in now he leads by example he mentors he's got an amazing ability to teach great strategies and lead by example and all those things but he doesn't really want to be in a leadership role as in on the executive team leading the future vision strategy of the firm he doesn't love doing business development so a combination of those kind of things Jeff has found his niche as a lead advisor, loves his clients, 
loves playing a role inside of the ensemble practice, but not someone who has a desire to buy in and go to that next level of practicing partner. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great example of it. And then, you know, then we come to Brian, who is a practicing partner and, and loves the business development and he does all our workshops. And if anybody's ever checked out any of our virtual seminars that Brian's done, I joke with him, I think he missed his career as a game show host. He brings a lot of energy and makes it really interactive and fun. And then, of course, he's you know, sitting in front of our highest net worth prospects and clients and outstanding job of, of closing business. And he kind of goes in and out of appointments as well. So for some of the higher net worth clients, maybe he sits in on the first one to, you know, to, 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 to get the um, commitment to move on through the process. And it maybe doesn't sit in on the design appointment and then comes back for the delivery appointment. So, you know, very much serving that business development role in the organization. And then there's plenty of clients he does take through you know, the entire discovered design delivery process on his own. So yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, you know, the career path, again, is something that we have woven kind of into the fabric of the firm and we've got people with all levels of it. And yeah, it's exciting to, it's exciting to see and it provides that clarity for everybody. Rob, awesome, man. I appreciate you and I appreciate you being on this podcast. I'm sure everybody else is really loving it too because we're able to, to share the program and kind of how it works within the, how the five rungs actually have levels within and then apply some real life examples. And I'm sure everybody else is thinking about the people in their firm right now and where they are in the backstage or maybe in the front stage, maybe even uh, some of you are reflecting on the lost opportunity of putting administrative people, receptionists, assistants in the backstage doing a lot of the things that you could have had a future advisor doing. So maybe some of that thinking or just the bit, maybe a, a great advisor that you could have hired that you weren't able to attract, or maybe you had a great advisor you weren't able to retain because you didn't have the right structure to reward them to keep them around for the long haul. So that's our goal is to share with you some of the best practices out of the field at JL Smith through the Rainmaker Multiplier podcast and ultimately expose you to this new thought leadership, the advisor career path and how you might be able to benefit it to grow your firm. And again, thanks, thanks for joining us, Rob. Happy to help. And just for everybody, I am on the Mentor Connect portal. So if you have any questions or you know, follow-up questions you want to learn more about it, you know, happy to, to get on a call with you and, and walk you through and provide some more detail and insight on it. Excellent. All right, y'all. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Thanks again, Rob. Bye-bye. Great. Thanks, Jason. The Rainmaker Multiplier On-Demand Series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach to advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com.